Walter Life with Brent and Jeff. Why do you let these hooligans tear down the biz? Good evening and welcome to The Alter Life. I'm Jeff. And I'm Brent. Welcome to part five of our To Serve and Protect series. We're going to be in the book of Titus, chapters two and three tonight. We're so glad you joined us. Tonight's topic is a servant's role in the world. How we've been called out of the world, but also called to live in the world and be an example uh, in the midst of this crazy, foolish, perverse generation that we're stuck in. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in. That's right. And uh, servants of Christ, you know, we have a calling in this in this world. And uh, tonight, it's going to be interesting to go through this part of Titus. We've been having a great time in Titus up until now, and uh, just enjoying this servanthood series and uh, to serve and protect is what it's been called. And uh, just excited to see what God has for us tonight as we continue on in His Word. Yeah, I mean, tonight is a good example of the, the series as a whole. It's talking about, you know, how we are to serve in the world, but also to protect ourselves from what's out there in the world. So it kind of embodies both aspects of the series, and as well as um, how God is looking, His grace is teaching us how we should live in the world that we're in. So let's just jump right in. I think we should. Sounds good, Jeff. Verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's kind of the the basis for our topic tonight, the grace of God appearing to us, and it's teaching us. I think a lot of times we we see the grace of God as like this ticket that we get, and it's like, oh, yay, I get to go to heaven. But the grace of God is actively working in our life, teaching us, educating us how to live according to, to God's will and how to live according to his grace and the glory, you know, the praise of his glory, as we talked about in Ephesians a long time ago. Um, you know, I don't think we think about that. A lot of times we think of grace as a license, not as something that it's not the learner's permit. You know <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we see it as a license to sin, but really yeah. the grace is what's teaching us how to live without sin. God's riches. Yeah. You know, isn't it crazy that how he's got it set up to where the, the benefit we get at Christ's expense, the things that God bestows upon us is a testimony to us of how we should live and teaches us on a, on a daily basis how to live for Christ. And um, I'm already getting rocked. We just went to the first verse. We talk about the grace of God. You get so encouraged. But for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men. No excuses. That's right. <laughs> No excuses. It's it's there for everyone. And salvation, you know, it's it's God's heart that all would be saved. You know, He He died for um, for the world. And uh, so tonight, you know, it's just a good opportunity to just invite you. You know, you maybe have just tuned in and kind of what is these guys all about, and um, just want to invite you personally. You know, the grace of God. It you know we kind of refer to the grace of God as God's riches at Christ's expense and what Christ did on the cross to die for us and to forgive us of our sins and to allow us an opportunity to be saved from, you know, eternal separation from him. And uh, that grace that God has provided in Christ Jesus, you know, has brought salvation to all men. And you have an opportunity tonight to accept him as your Lord and Savior. 
And, uh, you know, nothing that we could teach about in the Bible would mean anything unless the Spirit of God was pointing us to Jesus Christ. And, you know, when you read the God's Word and you read about who Jesus is and the grace, and the things that we have in Him that He's lavished on us through this, His Son's work on the cross, you know, just want to, it's not something that you want to turn down. <laughs> and it's it's awesome. Like we've, Jeff and I have been saved for quite a long time and we know you know, and we live daily in the in the grace of the Lord. Sometimes we feel it more than others, but uh, it's not about what we feel. The reality is, the grace of God covers us, and man, it's worth it. So choose Christ. Tonight's topic is a servant's role in the world, and uh, we're in Titus chapter two right now. We're going to move into chapter three a little bit later on, but uh, we really have just been chewing on the first two verses so far tonight. If you just tuned in, you haven't missed much except for everything, the grace of God. That's what we're talking about. That is everything. Uh, everything. Now everybody's like, oh, I missed it. All right, I'll turn it off then. No, don't. You didn't miss much. I was just kidding. Uh, <laughs> verse 11, which is talking about how the, the grace of God and Brent laid it out in the last, you know, it's appeared to everyone. A lot of people get into these arguments about, well, it's only for the people who are going to get saved. Like, no, I think it's pretty clear that the Bible teaches that everyone has the opportunity to choose God or not. Um and this is another verse that solidifies that that view. So if you disagree with that, then that's a whole other story. But I think it's pretty clear that God has offered it to everyone, to to whosoever will believe, um, teaching us that denying ungodliness, denying it, just having nothing to do with ungodliness and worldly lusts, which is a difficult thing. And, uh, you know, it's a daily thing. Paul talks about it in, I think, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians about disciplining your body and you know you're kind of beating it into submission he says you know like there just because we get saved doesn't mean that our old man doesn't fight every day against our new man you know the, the old man we're not enslaved to it anymore it's been put to death on the cross with christ but it, he doesn't know that <laughs> we have to tell it we have to remind that old man and say you're done i'm done to you you know i don't have to obey that but it's a it's a daily a daily thing living the altar life you know living daily offering your body sacrificing it to the lord so that you're not giving into those things we should live soberly he says righteously and godly in the present age and then he moves on in, in verse 13 looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ and that's the motive for why we would live that way yeah and having a perspective jeff of living our lives in such a way that we're looking for his glorious return and looking for the hope that's found in Christ um, should change our life. It should look like something. And, um, you know, as we move on, as we continue, you know, we're just going to be dwelling on the fact, like, what does that look like in the believer where we're in the world but denying denying the, the worldly lust and, and looking towards something? It's not like we're just stuck. And... Um, you know, as we've been talking about looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love Paul because it's his God. It's our God. It's a personal God. It's not a God that's far away and distant. Um, it's the grace of God that teaches us that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present. Isn't that interesting? You know, I was thinking about that that. Why does the grace of God teach us that? And I was just thinking, you know, so many people come to their Christianity thinking that the law is what's teaching them that. Like, you you know, you have this mentality like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. I shouldn't be drinking. I shouldn't be, 
you know, gambling. I shouldn't be doing these things that was in the world. And it's more of a, a perspective like, well, now I'm a Christian. I can't do those things anymore, right? Instead of, I think if we really truly understood the grace of God and the, the riches that we have in Him, the mere fact of that should teach us, right, that um, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. It's almost like coming out with a perspective of, man, I understand what God's done for me so much and how much he's given me things that I don't deserve that just that mere fact teaches me how I should respond in this present age and what I should be fixing my eyes on. It's not about the things I, you know, I have to give up and fixing my eyes on Jesus. And my reaction, natural reaction of that is to give up those things. And, uh, and I'd be gladly to do that for the sake of the Savior who saved me and redeemed me. Isn't that awesome? Tonight we're talking about a servant's role in the world, and Brent laid it out in that last segment just to recap about, you know, people get tripped up on the grace of the law, and we're like, oh, the law is what tells me what I can and can't do. The grace of God is just like cake. You're like, oh, just you can do whatever you want now because you're under grace. And in reality, as, as Brent was saying, you know, when you look in the Word, it's the grace that empowers us to keep the law. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not not talking about the the dietary laws and those things that in the New Testament are strictly spoken of as being no more. You know, and when God gave the vision to Peter and He said, "Kill and eat." You know, don't call what I've called clean common. Um, you know, there are some things that are abolished in that way. But Jesus said He came to fulfill the law. There are the Ten Commandments. Those things are still important. Just because you're under grace doesn't mean you get away with not keeping the Ten Commandments anymore. You know what I mean? Like. People are very quick to to live uh, loosely, I guess. And I think it's why he's he's calling this, saying, you know, the grace of God is what teaches us to live soberly and righteously and godly. It's not the law. The law doesn't teach us that. It just, you know, it's the difference between, like, application and just education, I guess. You can go to school and someone can tell you 2 plus 2 equals 4. And you're like, I guess so. But <laughs> when you actually understand, like, if you take two things That's and add two math. things to it, there's four now. So there's it's a logic. You know what I mean? Like, when I learn, I have to know the rationale behind something. And I feel like that's the grace gives you the rationale for keeping the law. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. know if it makes sense. But, like, I feel like, you know, the law is just here's what you can and cannot do. The grace says, here's why. Because look at all this other stuff that you can do. And that's where he's going to continue to talk about as we we move on, but I'll let you uh, interject something there. No, and just to add to that, because he goes on, he says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. If you're always worried about not doing the things you weren't supposed to do, you wouldn't be as excited about seeing Jesus because what if Jesus was the kind of guy that said, why are you doing that? (laughs) But because of grace and because we love him and because we don't want to do those things anymore, we're so excited for his return. And, uh, I love Paul, how he just calls it as he sees the great God and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's it. That's I mean, that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about, you know, the cleanliness of living in this present age, unspotted and undefiled by pursuing the world, the world. And we all know our current state is, without Christ, is darkness and perversion. And, you know, our hearts are capable of so many wicked things. 
And um, it's the grace of God that, that pulls us out of that. And, you know, when we look at our Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and that he gave himself for us on the cross and the weight of what that meant, you know, how did that impact humanity? You know, how the weight that that has, you know, if, if Christ didn't go to the cross and he didn't die and be raised again, you know, we would still be stuck in death. We would still be, you know, without hope, without a glorious Savior and the grace that comes with um, trusting in Him. And I, I think we can't we can't say enough about the weight of what that really meant. And um, you know, and if you don't know what that means tonight, you know, that's that's step one. Grace comes after that. <laughs> you are unbelievable. The altar. This is unbelievable. I cannot believe this. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. All right, that was Who We Are by Red. And Who We Are is Brent Jeff of The Altar Life with Brent and Jeff. That's right. And it's time for our unbelievable segment tonight. We're so glad you tuned in. Even if you just tuned in for this segment, we appreciate it. We hope that you stay around for hour two, but you're your own person. You're going to do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Brent just threw something out there that we just are going to wing. Uh, we're going to wing it. We're gonna, the topic of tonight's Unbelievable is silly places to be if the rapture were to occur at that moment. <laughs> the first one it's that like, comes to mind for me is like standing in line for like One Direction tickets. <laughs> and the rapture, I was like, really? You like One Direction that much, Jeff? No. I, w- I, w- I was getting it from a, my little sister <laughs> or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I think silly places. I, <laughs> I, I I don't think that um, I'd really be happy with if I was in bed. I don't know why. I just yeah. like I don't want you know. I just don't want to be woken up. I think yeah. I'd like to be alive when it like yeah, not alive, alive awake. like dead. I'd like to be awake. Yeah. yeah, you're just like sleeping, and all of a sudden there you are. And you're like ah, I missed it. I didn't get to see all the cool stuff. I was sleeping. <laughs> I imagine if we get called up. Do you just like, is it like in the cartoons where like the blanket pulls off and then you just like start floating out of your bed? Jack and the Beanstalk style? No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to be blasphemous here. No. <laughs> but well, uh, the worst would be if you're sleeping and you shouldn't be. <laughs> like in church. The rapture happens. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, it's a, and, he, and the sermon is about the rapture. Right. <laughs> and you're sleeping through it. And it's, it's like, like, be sober. Be, be sober. Be, be ready. Vigilant. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of places you could really not want to be. We're not going to get into that, but because that's really that would be depressing to think about. But think about the goofy places that you could be. It'd just be ridiculous, you know, like trick or treating, <laughs> juggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. In the bathroom, <laughs> like, oh, just Lord, just give me a moment here. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Because awkward. Well, yeah, I don't know. If left behind is any indication of how end times events are going to happen, then Which we our know clothes would be is. yeah, our clothes would be left there around the toilet. <laughs> That'd be kind of a weird thing to say. But there'll be people in all different places. It'll be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. I always think about like, um, you know, if the pilot was a Christian, it's like, yeah. and all of a sudden he's gone. You know, like st- tragic stuff like that, yeah. which isn't really silly. But yeah. well, I've I heard. About this I don't know if this is true. I have to do some research on this, so don't quote me on this. But I've heard that they actually try to have if the if the pilot's an outspoken believer, they try to have a pilot that's not a believer in the cockpit too, which is really? weird. I'm like, why would they give any credence to that viewpoint or anything? But that may be completely unfounded, and you can call me out on it on the carpet. But anyway, we're gonna pause for our station identification. You're listening to the Ultra Life with Brent and Jeff. Oh! 
All right, that song was Hope That Saves the World by Petra. No, by the lead singer of Petra, John Schlitt. And that is classic rock, but just came out this year. Or last year. 2012. Yeah, it's, I'm not used to 2013 yet. I should be, because it's almost over. But It's still in the category of Petra. Face it's all it. good. Face it. But it's it's got that current rock sound, so it's okay, right. even if the guy's like 60 years old. But hope that saves the world. That's what we're talking about tonight, right? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Ah, good connection. That brings salvation, the grace of God. Yeah, see? Petra. There is a method to the madness. That's right. Even if that madness is Petra-laden. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, Even when Petra's not on the ultra life, they're in there. They're in there. Brent had been talking about an hour one. Hopefully you were listening in. Um, we had kind of talked about the difference between the law and grace and how the grace actually teaches us how to keep what God wants. You know, it gives us the power. God's grace does. It's, instead of just having a bunch of rules that we need to try to follow, it actually makes us want to follow them. You know, he had likened it to Sunday school and stuff, you know, when you're like a Christian and it's like, oh, I I want to kind of do all that stuff that they tell me not to do just at, in spite, you know, of, of that because I want to experience it. But then when you have really experienced true grace, you're like, oh, I don't even want that stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's cool because he, he says in uh, verse 14, I believe, that, you know, our hope is our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. I know a lot of people think that when you become a Christian, and Brent said this earlier, that you have to give up stuff. But from God's perspective, he's actually buying us off the slave market of all those things, the things that we are in bondage to. We are, we're like, oh, I have to give up all that fun stuff to be a Christian. It's like, no, that's the stuff that you're enslaved to. And from God's point of view, he's buying you out of that slave market. Which is, if you look at it that way, that's so amazing. And it says, and, he, and, and purify for himself his own special people. God's doing it. It's not because you're great, because you deserve it. He's doing it because he thinks you're special. Even if you have nothing special to to demonstrate. And then zealous for good works. You're like, wait a minute. I thought it wasn't works-based. Well, that's not what it's saying. I'm not talking about salvation, but it's talking about the purpose of salvation is so that God can purify us and make us zealous for good works zealous that's a good word that is a great word but i think of precious and i think of he sees that defiled in the world stuck in your sin creature evil (laughs) he sees that he he knows that he calls us out of that like you said jeff because of he sees us as precious and then as we he shines us up and cleans us off and purifies us through the blood of his son you know, we get so excited about who he is that our works are zealous toward him. Man, that's that should be all of our prayer tonight as we think about these things. Lord, you know, do the work. Finish the work you started. You know, we've been talking about the process of being saved. You know, he's talking about, you know, the Savior, our Savior who gave himself for us to redeem us, purifies us, you know, and... And we just respond with with being zealous for good works. And he goes on and he says, Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. You know, when I think about that, you know, speak these things. May these things be on your lips. Um, and encourage and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let this be the guide, the measuring stick for for um, what's truth and not what's not truth. And 
you know, Jeff, I almost get the vibe that, you know, they're, Paul's saying, you know, let this be the standard, you know, not the standard of the law, not all the extra stuff people like to mix in with our faith. You know, you have to do this and that and check the box here and go to church this many times and put this much in the offering plate and, you know, give up this stuff for Lent, you know, all, whatever it is, you know, that that's all nice and good, but it's Jesus and it's what he's done for you on the cross and it's the reaction that your heart has with toward the grace of God is the standard. And so speak those things, encourage the brethren in these things and, you know, these are the basis for rebuking with the authority of G- that Jesus brings. And uh, Paul transitions here in Titus, you know, he's talking about what God's grace has done for us. And now, how do we then live? How, do, how does that demonstrate itself in the world? Because we know that if God didn't mean for us to be here for a purpose, then he would have just taken us to heaven when we got saved. You know, how do we live in the world that we're in that is constantly bombarding us with lust and greed and pride and everything under the sun tempting us with those things how are we supposed to live as christians when god says abstain from those things but then also to be able to speak with authority like brett was saying from god's word when people don't give a hoot about how we live you know the importance of living our lives in a certain way and and that we've talked about this before but you know christians are, they cause so much detriment to the name of God because they don't live what they speak. And people see that. They see how you're living. And it's important to actually honor the things that God has placed in your life and to, to obey the, the word of God and to be zealous for good works, not because we want to just be a, a bunch of people that do good deeds for the sake of doing them, but there's a purpose behind them. And it's to give glory to God for the grace that he's bestowed on us and redeemed us out of the lawlessness and the the end of death that we were all heading towards. And, uh, you know, he moves on, as Brent said, let no one despise you. And then he moves into chapter three. Remember, there's no chapter breaks. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. You know, we have a responsibility to not make waves in the positive sense, you know, not that we, we go status quo all the time, but it's important for us to, you know, live peaceably. And he's going to say that, but, um, you know, it's important for us to live the way Jesus did. Jesus turned over the tables when it was necessary, but he also lived among a bunch of sinful people, was not impacted by them, but instead impacted them for the kingdom. And that's what we're supposed to do. To continue on where Jeff was left off, you know, he says, remind them to be subject to, it's like, we need reminders. And I was just sitting here thinking, yeah, I need to be reminded of this, to be subject to rulers and authority, to obey and to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, it's easy to look at the world when you're in a position of being forgiven and, uh, you know, to, to see the the error in the ways of the world and it's easy to slip into a frontward slide of um, you know pointing out the world's failure and be like oh you know they're just in there in the world and I don't have to listen to that and just kind of have an attitude of superiority as if you weren't like them already and God did all this <laughs> amazing stuff for you like as if you had anything to contribute to your holiness because you just went through and talked about 
how it had nothing to do with us. It was the grace of God. It was the the role of God giving himself for us and redeeming us and purifying us and creating an, uh, an attitude of wanting to serve him. That was all out of his initiative. We had nothing to bring to the table except for a dirty, crummy heart, you know, that wants to just do bad things. And now he's saying your reaction to those that are still there, your authority and everyone around is humility. <laughs> you know, is realizing that you're just like them, but you got Jesus. And, uh, you know, that that's just a challenge. I mean, I do need to be reminded of that because, you know, in the world you get, you can get beat up by the world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a good reminder for us to live in humility. Next time we have Jesus to the world, this beautiful republic. That was We Shine by Stellar Cart, and we left off in verse 2, which is where we're ending the night. Um, but I'll just backtrack a little bit just in case you're tuning in. Verse 1 of chapter 3 of Titus, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. You know, and this is convicting because it's really in vogue right now for Christians, especially uh, Christian Americans, I guess, uh, to, you know, I like that he says, speak these things, the things that we just talked about. And then he says, don't speak evil of anybody. In the context, if you're if you're paying attention, believers, of being subject to rulers and authorities, wait a minute, not that guy, not our guys and our rulers, they're... They're not Christians. I don't have to listen. Well, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Listen this, <laughs> you know. And this is convicting for me because it's so it's so easy. And and you you sit in church and you, people make their snarky comments and blah blah blah. My political views and yours and blah blah blah. And it, according to the Bible, which is something I think we're familiar with if we go to church, it says that we're supposed to speak evil of no one and be peaceable. And be subject to the rulers and other places in scripture. It says that God puts those people in place. So while we may not agree with them, Paul makes it quite clear that in order to demonstrate the grace of God that's been showed on us, we need to exemplify that grace to others. So it's you know, it's convicting for me. I know I, I'm very opinionated and all those things, but he says showing all humility to all men. It's just an interesting way to end. But the way we demonstrate Christ's love when we're in the world is by living out Christ's love, not by telling, beating everybody over the head with it because we're right and they're wrong. And so often we try to do all that in our own strength. And we try to do all that. And we, that's the point. We try to do all that. And I think leading up to the context in Paul's mind, I think it's only possible to execute on that reminder. If you got, if you got the end of chapter two, right, where you've, allowed the grace of God to teach you about about all those things and um, so yeah Jeff I mean I think that's that's the challenge tonight is to learn of his grace so that the reaction of that is you know all humility to all men because that's who Jesus was he was humble before all men it's about time to wrap up for the evening and we're just so thankful that, that you were with us tonight and um, just had a great time in Titus and exploring the grace of God and what that looks like in the life of the believer in this day and age, in this world, and uh, excited to see what he has next week. But until then, be cool cats. Live for Christ.